This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Good morning, everybody. It is seven minutes past nine o'clock here in Middletown, Connecticut. Welcome to a Wednesday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us this morning. Got uh, a little bit to talk about. We'll uh, go around the world of sports. Uh, Kind of a quiet day outside of spring training. There was some college basketball last night. Gonzaga, the number one team in the country, uh, clinching the West Coast Conference title last night. We'll get to that. Um, well, let's start off as we do many off, uh, so often, unfortunately, we still are talking about the coronavirus and where we're at and some of the changes that are going on around the country. As far as that goes today is the first day where, uh, Texas, uh, the governor of Texas has opened the state up and said, you don't have to wear a mask. Uh, a lot of businesses, I was kind of pleased to see this when I was watching, uh, the news this morning was that, uh, there were still a lot of businesses that are requiring masks, a lot of restaurants and uh, whatnot, you know, so the governor has said there's no mask mandate, but stores can still, you know, mandate that. And, you know, my concern for those poor store owners, you know, is that uh, there's going to be people down there that are going to be like, well, the governor says I don't have to, so I don't have to, so screw you. And, you know, there could be some issues with that, but, you know, hell, we see that here in the state of Connecticut and we know Texas, uh, can be a little bit more uh, belligerent. We've we saw that at the start of the pandemic, they, people were losing their minds down there. So um, anyway, so we'll see what happens down in Texas today. Hopefully, it'll be a a peaceful thing. But there are going to be people that are going to challenge it because they always do. And we've got a lawsuit here in the state of Connecticut. Uh, some civil liberties group is suing the state of Connecticut about the mask mandate for kids in school, basically saying we're scarring our children by making them wear masks you know, to go to public school. I mean, it's just, it, I guess we'd rather put them at risk and, you know, say, hey, that's all right, go in there and have a chance of catching it and dying. That makes sense to me. Um, the San Diego Padres announced yesterday that they are planning on 20% capacity for opening day uh, at Petco Park, which would mean about 8,500 fans. Uh, their CEO, Eric Gruppner, uh, said yesterday that he actually thinks that by you know later in the season they'll be playing to capacity crowds of forty two thousand. I will be shocked if that happens. I hope it does, but I am. I would be hard pressed to think that any governor is going to go from where we are right now to allowing full capacity for any sports venue this year. You know, maybe we'll get to a point where at half capacity, maybe even 75% capacity, but I have a hard time believing we're going to have a free-for-all in terms of attendance by the end of this year. You know, look, I, I mean, part of me hopes I'm wrong, but I would be surprised 
you know, I just, I, I, I think, you know, look, and I'm, I'm as much wanting to get back to normal as anybody, but I think that would be too quickly, but we'll see. Uh, we have had some colleges that have had to call stuff off Duke. Uh, it's spring football activities have been suspended because 10 of their athletes have tested positive. The same thing that has happened in Ohio state. They have had a marked increase in the number of positive tests. So they have shut down their spring football, you know, and it's strange this football season this year, you know, we had the major, major conferences playing and the, the national championship and all that, but you know, we still have football going on this spring. A lot of the mid-major conferences, like the Northeast Conference, are playing football this spring. They're having an abbreviated uh, schedule. It's really weird to look in the agate in the newspaper in February or March and see football scores. It just, uh, it just doesn't compute. Uh, so uh, they've had to, uh, to put the brakes on it. The Atlanta Hawks are planning on selling about 1,000 single-game tickets uh, for the second half of the season. They're going to continue to limit fans. Uh, their last home game they uh, against Boston back on February 24th, they had about 1,500 people there, uh, but they're going to keep it down to about 1,000 for the uh, remainder of the season. And at this point, I mean, you know, with the NBA being indoors, I think that is – uh, probably prudent. Uh, the Colorado Rockies are going along with the Padres. The Rockies are going even farther. Uh, they have gotten permission to have 21,000 fans for their uh, opening day at Coors Field on April 1st, which is about 43% capacity. It holds 50,000. And uh, uh, they had already gotten the permission to have about 12,500. Well, that's now been bumped up significantly uh so uh, you know if that you know and, and look i'll tell you what i think every major league team if they were told you can have 43 percent capacity for the rest of the season and and they knew going in right now that's what they had i i think that they would be satisfied with that i mean after last year how can you not be uh here in the state of connecticut uh with the conference tournaments coming up for high school uh, the conferences are kind of have gotten gotten together, like the Shoreline Conference and the SCC, and they are going to allow limited fans for the state uh, for the conference tournaments. There's no state tournament this year, but um, after playing most of the regular season with no fans, they're going to allow it looks like two fans or you know per player and and coach. Uh, I did a game last night at Xavier High School here in Middletown against Notre Dame of West Haven. And for the first time this year, and it was their ninth game, uh, they had fans. It was nice to see. It really was. Um, you know, it was a handful of people. And unfortunately for the Xavier parents, uh, it was not a good outcome as uh, Notre Dame West Haven, very, very good team, very athletic, ran uh, Xavier out of the building. Um, but it was nice to see fans there. And our, our test rate over the last week, it's averaging at, at about 2.3%. So it's still uh, very low. Uh, the state has announced they've gotten 25% of the state of Connecticut has gotten at least one dose of the vaccine and 10% are fully vaccinated. I'm getting my first dose on Saturday. Um, so we're getting there, you know, and nationally they still believe that we are going to be um, a free for all. Everybody is going to have the opportunity to get the the vaccine come May. 
it sounds like the production is really ramping up and there should be enough uh, to go around. So that's good news. Um, remember I mentioned yesterday, we, we, I went on a little rant about Pepe Le Pew being canceled. Uh, <laughs> you know, because it uh, because a columnist in the New York Times decided that Pepe Le Pew uh, has uh, contributing to the rape culture in the United States, which a 70-year-old cartoon is contributing to rape culture, which, I mean, you know, here we go again. I And it's just driving me nuts, and I'm not going to go into my rant yesterday, but I saw a meme on uh, social media last night that I just had to share. I think it's funnier than hell. Um, somebody uh, posted, he said, I'm glad Pepe is canceled and my children are safe. Now my son can get back to playing Grand Theft Auto where he just set a hooker on fire so he didn't have to pay her. <laughs> you know, and look, that that is the that is the argument that a lot of people are using um with uh, this whole thing with the Dr. Zeus and the Pepe Le Pew is that it's because it's children. You know, it's they're saying it's not cancel culture, and it's this is children, and we have to children are more susceptible to racist racist images, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, you know, and I get that, I guess. You know, I can I can understand the Doctor Zeus thing a little bit more, simply because you know, it is young children. However, I'm not sure how impressionable a two or three year old child that you're reading to is going to be with this, but you know, I'm, I'm it's, it's an argument that I'm not going to win. It's already been decided, but, uh, but yeah, we allow our kids to play violent video games or we will watch them, let them watch uh, television shows where there's all kinds of violence. But Pepe Le Pew, uh, is, is a danger to society. It's just insane. Um, they were attempting to cancel the eyes of Texas. Now, uh, the Eyes of Texas is a famous song in that state. Uh, it is sung during every sporting event there. Uh, I will never forget, uh, I was working at uh, Central Connecticut State University, and we qualified for the NCAA baseball uh, tournament. So our first-round opponent, was Texas. We had to go to the University of Texas in a pot. It was us in Texas and two other schools. So we go down there, and they play the national anthem. Right after they play the national anthem, they then fire up the music to the eyes of Texas are upon you. And the entire stadium, which was full, started singing the eyes of Texas. It was freaky. Because I remember, I mean, look, I'm a, I'm a New England kid. Now, I've lived in other parts of the country, but... You know, this was this was weird. I'm down there, and everybody's singing that, and all the players and the coaches are all looking around going, oh, man, we're, we're not in Kansas anymore, uh, or, or in our case, Connecticut anymore. It was weird. Well, there had been a move at the University of Texas to ban the song because it was being – it was said that it was racist. Um because everything is racist these days. Um, so what happened? And, and, and we had a, 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 there was a, a controversy this year when football players 
decided to leave the field after the game because normally at the end of the football games is when they play that uh, at Texas. It's before the baseball game, but after the football game. Well, a bunch of the players chose to leave the field instead of staying there and singing the song along with the fans after several of their games. Uh, fans were pissed. And they wrote to the uh, president and the athletic director saying that the school is going to lose financial dollars. There were donors that said that they would pull out if the school actually banned this song, that they would no longer contribute to the school. So because of that, they had to commission a group to study this song. And they released, get this folks, a 58-page report about a song. 58 pages. Now, the uh, the conclusion at the end of it was that the school song has no racial intent. But the school president is saying that they're not going to require their athletes and band members to sing or participate when the song is played at games and other campus events, but that the, the commission determined that there was no racial intent. It was 24 people who surfed on this commission. Uh, so they studied the origin, the lyrics, and the history. They said, look, it was a, it, the song was rooted in a message of accountability and striving toward excellence. Now, they did go on to say that they admit, and you know there is evidence, that the song uh, was probably first performed at a minstrel show which most likely had performers in blackface as part of the minstrel show. Uh, and what they said, and see, this to me is common sense. They said, look, the, the historical facts add complexity and ri richness to a story of a song that, that debuted in a racist setting, which was exceedingly common for the time. But the preponderance of research showed that the song had no racial intent. They said the, the eyes of Texas should not only unite us, but should hold all of us accountable to our institution's core values. Thank God. This was the first time I have heard them talking about some issue like this where we have some common sense. Yes, the song was written at a time when performers were playing you know and performing in blackface but the song itself is not racist it was written in 1903 and it's set to the uh, the tune of i've been working on a railroad if you've never heard it um and and again it's just you know it's been something that minority students have hung on to and have said that it's racist and they they said that the the title of the song was taken from a favored saying of a former school president who reportedly had mimicked these remarks by Robert E. Lee, that Robert E. Lee had once said this. But there is no evidence that this was written as a racist song. They acknowledge the climate in which it was written, but they also said, but it's not racist. I, you know... <laughs> I don't say this very often, <laughs> but thank God for Texas. They, they showed some common sense. So uh, they will continue to play that at athletic events and other events around, around campus, and good for them. 
All right, let's get to sports from last night. I watched the uh, end of the Bruins game last night. I only got to see the end because I was broadcasting a uh, that high school basketball game last night, but I got home for the uh, overtime and the shootout. And the Bruins lose again, and the offensive woes for this Bruins team continue. I guess the good news last night was that there was uh, a power play goal by the Bruins. They had really struggled on the power play they had not scored a power play goal in six games uh, but David Pasternak got their only goal last night on the power play um, and it was in the first period but then the lights went out once again and the Bruins continue to struggle to find offense uh, this Islander team look it's a good team this is an Islander team if you remember the last time that the Bruins played down there the Islanders kicked the ever-living crap out of them beat them seven to two back at the end of February they embarrassed the Bruins in that game. That was a game, I think it was 2-2 at the end of two, and then in the, four, the third period, they came out and just spanked the Bruins. So from that standpoint, there was some progress made. The bad news is, if you're the Bruins, you came out with a shootout loss. And now the Bruins find themselves in fourth place in the Eastern Conference. They continue to just dive. 13-6. Uh, uh, no, 23-13-6 is what they are right now. They have uh, six games that they've lost in overtime, including shootouts. Um, and the Islanders are one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now. They are 8-0-1 in their last nine games, and now uh, they are back in first place in the East. And the way they're playing right now, I wouldn't bet against them. Um, so, you know, look. They've got a couple of games the Bruins do coming up against the Rangers, a team that they should beat. They need to win those two games. They need to figure out what is going on with this offense. This team has too much firepower to struggle the way that they have. You know, Pasternak is is you know got eleven goals, uh, but Brad Marchand really has not uh, gotten going. Uh, they're not getting the scoring from the blue line that they have in the past. You know, and I don't think this has anything to do with the departure of uh, of Chara. You know, I think that this is just a young uh, defensive squad, and I don't think that they have uh, gotten their stride yet. But right now, this Bruins team is searching. But again, a trip to the Islanders, and it's been a place that the Bruins have not played well over the last few years. Uh, but fortunately, some progress made. At least it, they didn't get blown out of the building, and they managed to get a point out of the thing. But at the end of the day, um, you know, Bruce Cassidy's got to find a way to, to, to motivate this offense and, and, and find what the hell it is that, uh, that's going wrong. I mean, they've been out shooting their opponents. They were doing it last night up until the third period. The Islanders really took it to them in the third period. The Bruins had just four shots in the period. But up to that point, they had been out shooting the Islanders handily in this game. They're just not getting – and it can't be all goaltending. So, you know, they may be getting shots on goal, and maybe the problem is is maybe they're not quality shots on goal. So, anyway, uh, a tough one. Uh, other NHL news from yesterday. Uh, the NHL has reached an agreement with ESPN to return their games uh, to that network, a seven-year contract that will include four Stanley Cup finals. Uh, no uh, word on what the dollar figure is, but uh, keep in mind that the last contract that was signed was by NBC and that, and they are in the final season of that contract now. And NBC paid $2 billion for the national NHL rights over 10 years. 
Um, so now uh, the league knows that it's going to air on multiple networks because ESPN got part of the package. Now NBC is part of a group that is negotiating for the other part of the package, which will include um, three Stanley Cups. But you know, don't know where NBC is going with this. Uh, because, look, uh, NBC has the NBC Sports Network. Well, they're shutting that channel down uh, by the end of the year. And most of their the events that were on NBCSN are going to be shifted to the USA Network. Um, their deal with the English Premier League expires at the end of next season. It's up for renewal. A lot of people are beginning to wonder if NBC is going to scale back a little bit with their decision uh to eliminate their sports network. I mean, look, Fox Sports still has its own sports network, FS1. Uh, CBS has its own sports network, but NBC is getting out of that business. Now, I don't know whether this is a trend that every network is going to do that or whether it is a sign of a shift by the network. But um, if they are going to stay involved in the NHL, we now know, based on this agreement with ESPN, uh, that it is going to be on a more limited basis. Um, so uh, we'll... Uh, We'll keep our eyes on that one. It is 28 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. We're back in a minute. You're listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It's 30 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to The Wake Up Call here on a Wednesday morning. Uh, I watched the Red Sox spring training game yesterday against Tampa, and again, I have to keep reminding myself that that it's – it's spring training, and it doesn't mean a lot. But there were some positive things that we saw yesterday. Uh, number one, uh, Nick Pavetta, three innings yesterday. He gave up three hits and a run. He struck out three, didn't walk anybody. Uh, and the run he gave up was a ball that perhaps could have been uh, played by Rafi Devers, might have been able to keep the uh, ball in the infield and prevent the run from scoring. They didn't make great contact against Pavetta. So he looked good yesterday. Um very, very encouraged by that. Uh, after that, <laughs> it got ugly. Uh, Red Sox used five relievers who then got torched for uh, nine runs or ten runs and uh, eight hits. They walked eight guys, the bullpen. Just what you want to see, right? Now, a lot of these guys are guys that we will not see in the regular season, but one of them is somebody that the Red Sox felt – was one of those diamond-in-the-rough guys they got uh, last year that, that kind of burst onto the scene, and they have hopes for him. Um, Phillips Valdez, uh, yesterday he uh, throws an inning and a third, gives up uh, three walks and four runs. He only gave up one hit, but he walked three guys, got tagged for four runs. Those are the kinds of things that drive me nuts. Eight walks in, what, five innings by Red Sox bullpen. You know, so if, you know, and if you think Phillips Valdez is uh, a diamond in the rough, congratulations. I, I don't happen to be in that camp. You know, I mean, this is a guy that, yeah, he pitched last year uh, and was <laughs> – he was, uh, you know, one of the more decent players, I guess, in a very bad bullpen. That bullpen was terrible last year. 
Uh, so let's not get too carried away. I mean, you look at his numbers from last year, and uh, he still had a whip of 1.6. What the hell are they saying that this? I mean, they thought this guy was going to be, you know, part. You know, his ERA was good, but he, he gave up 33 hits uh, and 16 walks, 49 base runners in 30 and a third innings, and he hit a couple, and he hit three guys. You know, so I'm not sure where everybody thought this guy was going to be uh, a productive member of the bullpen. But uh, and again, I know it's spring training. And I got to keep telling myself that. But uh, man, it was ugly. Uh, one of the other positive things to take away from yesterday: Michael Chavis continues to hit the ball well. He was two for three yesterday. Uh, he's hitting 4.29 this spring. You know, and a lot of the the prevailing wisdom was that Michael Chavis would start the season in Triple uh, A that uh, he was going to be the acquisition of guys like Marwin Gonzalez and Kike Hernandez were going to take away his playing time and that the Red Sox seemed committed to Christian Arroyo. Well, here's the thing. You know, Christian Arroyo is a guy that at one it was a first-round draft pick, all right? But Christian Arroyo couldn't stick with the teams that drafted him. I mean, he and, and, that he, you know, he bounced around from San Francisco uh, to Tampa, to Cleveland, you know, and he hasn't been able to stick anywhere. And they put him at shortstop yesterday, and he was, eh, he was okay. You know, he doesn't have great range. Uh, he can't hit. That's the biggest problem with this guy. He can't hit. He's hitting 200 this spring, and they're giving him a lot of at-bats because they want to see if this is a guy that can, uh, you know, be a productive Utility player. I'll tell you what, I'd rather have them play uh, Arauz, the young kid from last year, the Rule 5 draft pick that they, they picked up from Houston. I'd rather see them play him than Christian Arroyo. But Michael Chavis right now, and again, I know Michael Chavis is not uh, you know a gold glover at second base, but you know he's also not a total butcher. And I'd like, you know, I, I think that Chavis might be making this decision a little bit more difficult for Red Sox management. You know, this Red Sox team has a lot of questions. You look, you know, one of them is, and Pete Abraham pointed it out this morning, they don't know who's going to play left field yet. Why? Well, because uh, Frankie Cordero is still not in camp. Um, he was uh, kept out because of COVID-19 concerns, and he still hasn't been cleared. He also hasn't been healthy most of his career. As Pete pointed out this morning, uh, he's been on the injured list five time, or yeah, five times over the last three years. He hasn't played more than 47 games in a season, majors and minors combined, in four years. So uh, to say that he's going, you know, and a lot of people are just assuming that the Red Sox were going to plug him into left field because, you know, he shows this prodigious power and all this, you know, and he also strikes out a ton. So I'm not real uh, uh, sure about that one. And look, if, if you know, you, you traded Andrew Benintendi, you chose not to re-sign Jackie Bradley Jr. You put yourself in this position where you don't have a solid outfield. And that does that mean that Kike Hernandez is going to be, be playing outfield more? Or Marwin Gonzalez? And if that's the case, then a guy like Michael Chavis becomes more important because second base now uh, becomes more of an open, uh, an open question. And the other problem is, is that right now Xander Bogart still isn't ready to play. They're saying he may d be a DH by the weekend, but he's not... You know, his arm's still not ready because of that, that right shoulder is still bothering him. And now everybody said that he's going to be ready for opening day, 
But what if he's not? What do they do then? Kike Hernandez is not the answer. If Kike Hernandez was the answer, he would have been playing shortstop for the Dodgers. You know, they played him, uh, you know, a handful of games over the last three years at shortstop. They realized the guy's not a shortstop. Uh, you know, now they signed Danny Santana, a guy that could play there, but he's still recovering from surgery. Uh, so I don't know. The Red Sox have a lot of questions. You know, I, I think second base is a big one, and left field are the two biggest. I'm not worried about Bogarts. He's going to be okay. Even if he's not ready for opening day, he will be. And, you know, they can they can get through three, four, five games with with uh, Hernandez or Gonzalez there if they have to. But they've got to figure out this second base thing fairly quickly. I think Kike Hernandez is the answer at second base, which then becomes, if that's the case, then left field's the problem. Jared Duran's not ready. You know, he's been hitting the ball well, but defensively they say he is not close. So, you know, I don't know. They're, they're, you know, and I was reading uh, the Sox Outsider newsletter this morning. Uh, Matt Corey, who's been on our show, said that, you know, he thinks the Red Sox are making the playoffs this year. Now, you know, and, and he said, look, I, you know, I admit I'm, I'm, I'm probably being, you know, a little rosier than, than, I, than I have a right to be, but he thinks the Red Sox are going to be a wild card this team this year. I'd like to hope so, but, you know, unless some things change, uh, and they get some production from people that they aren't expecting, and this pitching staff is way better than we're expecting, I'm not too bullish on the Red Sox playoff chances. You know, this this bullpen that the Red Sox have, you know, again, we're relying outside of Matt Barnes and Adam Adovino. Who else does this bullpen have that they can really rely on? I guess you could say Ryan Brazier. You know, at least he's got he's got World Series experience, but but this is a bunch of journeymen and no names that they are counting on to be a big part. And look how that how did that work out for them last year when they had an absolutely hideous starting rotation and their bullpen was just as bad. So uh, you know, I, I think I think Matt's being a little optimistic. I think Matt's being a lot optimistic. We're going to get him on next week to talk about this. Uh, and uh, have him defend his uh, his his theory that the Red Sox are going to make the postseason. And and again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's right. As a Red Sox fan, I always wanted to make the playoffs, but uh, I am not bullish on the idea. Uh, Dan Shaughnessy had a column this morning in the Globe about uh, Eck, Dennis Eckersley, and uh, Eckersley revealed that uh, he dealt with the coronavirus in the off season. He caught it in uh, January, and said he was uh, he had a fever for about ten days. He said, but he was lucky. You know, he said. Uh, uh, he said, it wasn't pretty. He said, but I never felt right for a month. He said, but I had a mild fever for 10 days. He said, that's all he had. He said, it was annoying. He said, but at the same time, I can't get annoyed because I didn't have it that bad. I was lucky, but it also made him realize that, Hey, uh, you know, that it can happen to anybody and X 66 years old. And, you know, uh, he said he just got his first dose of the vaccine and, you know, so, uh, you know, the other thing that he mentioned, and I hope this isn't going to be the case or a trend, but it sounds like it might be. Uh, the Red Sox sound like they're going to probably have their announcers back at Fenway Park for home games this year, which I think is great. But Eck thinks that the trend now is going to be that uh, broadcasters are not going to travel with teams. They didn't do it last year because of the coronavirus, but now with things even getting better and the vaccines, etc., he thinks that a lot of teams, or if not all teams, 
are going to stop sending broadcasters on the road because it is a money-saving issue. They have realized that by having guys in the studio in Massachusetts, even when the game is in California, that they can get away with it, that they can call the games by watching it on a monitor from their homes or from the studio at Nesson, and he thinks that there is a case that uh, uh, to be made that the networks aren't going to do that anymore. And he said he has mixed feelings about it. He'd rather be at the ballpark, uh, but he thinks that that's the wave of the future. I hope he's wrong. I really do. Uh, word out of Yankee camp is Zach Britton is going to have to have elbow surgery. He has a bone chip in there, uh, in his pitching elbow. And um, he is, they're not saying exactly how long he's going to be out, but the prevailing wisdom is that he will probably miss three to four months. So one of the most reliable members of that bullpen last season for the Yankees will not be available for the first few months. He pitched to a one eight nine ERA last year, made 20 appearances, um, and pitched well. Only allowed 12 hits in those uh, uh, innings that he pitched last year. And the Yankees just exercised a $14 million contract option on him. Uh, and he was supposed to be the primary setup guy for a role as Chapman, which, you know, I find interesting. That means they're, they're two late-inning guys who are going to be uh, lefties. But uh, it just means that uh, guys like Chad Green and Darren O'Day are going to have to pick up the slack. But uh, that's a big loss, no question, for the Yankees. Uh, Yankees yesterday, some encouraging signs for them as far as the pitching goes. They lost the game to the Detroit Tigers, but, again, doesn't mean a lot. But if you're Yankee fans, you're happy. Davey Cruz pitched yesterday, uh, pitched three innings. Only allowed two hits. He struck out five, didn't walk anybody. Uh, he got lit up pretty good his first uh, appearance, gave up a couple of home runs and in, an in inning and two-thirds in his first appearance. Looked really good yesterday. Uh, again, people are all giddy over uh, Gary Sanchez. Sanchez hit another home run yesterday. He continues to pound the ball well in spring training. Uh, he's hitting three sixty four, and that was his... Uh, uh, third home run of the spring. And again, let's not get too carried away, you know, with Gary Sanchez. Okay. Uh, you know, we know Gary Sanchez can hit. We know last year was an outlier in terms of his, his batting average. There's no question about that. But he is still one of the worst defensive catchers in baseball. So I, I'm, I'm, t- you know, and I know, look, and I know, you know, I read the Hartford Current and, you know, they have a lot of Yankee coverage because there's a lot of Yankee fans in Connecticut. And, uh, you know, so, and that's what Yankee fans want to talk about. They want to talk about them hitting balls to the moon and instead of talking about the number of wild pitches and pass balls that happen uh, in Yankee games because their catcher is a butcher. But, you know, hit another home run. Congratulations. Uh, the Mets yesterday uh, won their spring training game with the St. Louis Cardinals 5-3. Uh, Taiwan Walker got the start for the Mets. He wasn't great. Couple of innings, uh, walked two guys, gave up two hits, gave up a couple of runs. Um, again, not too worried about that. Carlos Martinez got the start for the Cardinals. Cardinals going to be happy with that. Three shutout innings. He struck out three. Um, overall, uh, a, a good performance by the uh, St. Louis Cardinals uh, team. They just one bad inning. One bad inning. Rondon got whacked around. But uh, the Mets win the game 5-3. Not that it means a lot. Uh, but that is where we are as far as spring training baseball goes. 
A um, couple other notes. Uh, Joey Gallo had another home run yesterday. Gallo in six spring, six spring training games this year has five home runs. He, he's hitting 429 with five bombs, a double, and nine runs batted in. Hey, Joey, it's spring training. Save a few for the regular season. But, uh, man, uh, but unfortunately for Texas, that's about all they got because uh, Aaron Savali, the kid from Connecticut, pitched for the uh, Indians against him yesterday. Didn't give up much. And uh, the Indians won the game 9-2. to two, But uh, Joey Gallo is off to a huge, huge start. Uh, encouraging sign for the Minnesota Twins as well. Their ace, Kenta Maeda, uh, three one-hit innings yesterday uh, in his start. And the Toronto Blue Jays, who got Steven Matz from the Mets. Matz, who had been absolutely awful last year, uh, made his first appearance in spring training with Toronto yesterday. Uh, allowed just one hit in three shutout innings. He struck out three, um, and uh, that is a great sign for the Toronto Blues. I, look, I'm a Stephen Matz fan. I was a big fan of his uh, when he was with the Mets. I think that he is going to be uh, he's going to be okay. Again, last season, you know, I think I think with some of the moves that were made in the offseason, way too much emphasis was put on uh, uh, results from last year. Uh, other good sign. For the Washington Nationals, Steven Strasburg, of course, uh, uh, coming off uh, carpal tunnel surgery, uh, looked really good yesterday. Struck out four of the six batters uh, that he faced. It was his first start since uh, last August. And uh, so he looked pretty good, and which is a very, very encouraging sign if you're a Washington Nationals fan. And uh, so that is uh, our trip around spring training. It's 46 minutes past. Yeah, we're going to take another break. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call. It is 48 minutes past the hour here on a Wednesday morning. A couple other notes from around spring training. Uh, Bryce Harper yesterday uh, was uh, gave a, a recent interview. Um, and uh, I like Bryce Harper even more now. Uh, he said he cares not one iota for advanced stats. <laughs> he said, you know, people are, he said, I don't think about any of those stats. He said, I don't like stats. He said, I don't think about exit velocity. I don't care about that. Uh, he said, I'm more of exit hits. I want guys to get hits. I want guys to perform. He said, I don't understand any of that stuff. He said, I'm a GED guy. <laughs> he said, the only, he said the, you know, the only real stat that he is concerned about, he said, is on-base percentage. He said, if you get on base and your on-base percentage is high, I know that's good. And he said, that means that we're going to score runs. Uh, I absolutely love guys like this. We need more guys like Bryce Harper. We have gotten so carried away. I watch shows now on the MLB network. And I'm a big baseball. I mean, I'm as big a baseball fan as you're going to find. I watch baseball, you know, from morning till night. I get everything I can with during baseball season. I, you know, I live, breathe, and eat the stuff. But when I turn on the Major League Baseball Network and as big a fan as I am, and I'm hearing you know, these acronyms thrown out there for these advanced stats. I have no idea what they mean. And at the end of the day, they don't mean anything. Here's what matters. Do you get on base? Do you drive in runs? Do you drive? Do you move runners along when they're in scoring position? You know, and do you, you know, what's your batting average? You know, I, I don't care about home runs. I mean, the home runs are nice, but do I, but I care about RBIs. I care about whether you score runs. I care about whether you can steal a base, whether you can hit the, you know, move, move a runner along with, you can hit the ball the other way. Those are the things I care about. What somebody's war is, what somebody's uh, OPS plus is, I don't even know what the hell that is. 
I know what an OPS is. It's your on-base percentage plus plus slugging, which, you know, again, that's a, a, a decent stat. But, you know, uh, you know, and I, these uh, ex-WOBA, they call it, and all these. I'm like, what the hell is all this stuff? You know, how about the, at the end of the day, one of the, I would, you know, what's your batting average with runners in scoring position? That's what I want to know because that means there's runners on second or third when you're up and you drive in the run or you at least move them along. That's what I want to know. That's the only thing that matters. All this other crap, exit velocity and launch angle and war and all this, it means nothing. It's just a way for people to make themselves sound smart. <laughs> so I love Bryce Harper. Uh, one other note from baseball, uh, the A's have uh, become the third team in Major League Baseball to have a female public address announcer. Uh, Amelia Schimmel got the job with the A's yesterday. Uh, she, along with uh, Rennell Brooks-Moon from the San Francisco Giants and Marisol Castro with the New York Mets, are the only female public address announcers uh, in baseball uh, the Orioles did have somebody come up to do it. Um, uh, Adrian Robinson, uh, Robertson did it for the uh, Orioles last year for a, a short time. But uh, Schimmel replaces Dick Callahan, who was the public address announcer in Oakland for a long, long time. But he died in January at the age of uh, 80. Uh, so now uh, Amelia Schimmel will take over. Good for her. Uh, you know, I mean, it's one of those things where you say, well, it's a female public address announcer and you're like i didn't even realize that that was a, a thing but uh, you know i guess it's another one of those uh glass ceilings that women had yet to, to really break and um so there's three out of 30 i i'm all i'm all for it i mean i don't care who the pa announcer is whether it's male or female it doesn't matter i you know just tell me who's coming up to bat you know it shouldn't make a difference whether it's male or female if you can do the job you can do the job uh great college basketball game last night uh, late last night, I uh, I watched the first part of it and then watched the highlights this morning. But Gonzaga comes back to beat BYU in the West Coast Conference title game, 88-78. BYU, up, BYU was up in this game by a dozen at halftime. Uh, they had an 11-0 run early and uh, just held on, and, and, and BYU looked lost. I mean, uh, Gonzaga looked lost. It looked like they were going to lose their first game of the season, but they played great defense in the second half. Uh, Jalen Suggs with a huge second half, uh, and uh, they come back, and now they are now twenty-six and zero. They that was their. By the way, that was their. They were in the West Coast Conference title game for the twenty-fourth straight year. I mean, that's that's that, the program that they have built there is unbelievable. Uh, Corey Crispert, a big game last night. He had uh, some early threes uh, and scored, but scored fourteen of his seventeen points in the second half. And uh, as I said, Suggs with a, a great second half as well. He had consecutive three-pointers that put Gonzaga up by nine with 128 left, and they cruised from there. So uh, they will be a lock for the number one overall seed, um, and it will be uh, uh, BYU will probably get in as well, I would think. Uh, they finished the season 20-6. and six. I would be shocked if they don't get in. Now they lost to – I mean, think about it. They're 20-6, and six, and three of their losses – are to Gonzaga, the best team in the country. So uh, no shame there. Uh, the NBA will resume play tonight after the All-Star break, but they will be resuming it uh, without Myers Leonard of the Miami Heat. Uh, he has been suspended indefinitely by the Heat because he was playing a video game that was being live-streamed 
and uh, he got caught using an anti-Semitic slur. Uh, they didn't say exactly what it was that he said, but uh, uh, he said something that was um, offensive to the Jewish community. He obviously immediately apologized on social media, and he said, uh, "He said my ignorance about its history and how offensive it was to the Jewish community, you know, not an excuse, and I was wrong, and yada, yada, yada. When, the same thing that everybody says when, when they get caught. Same kind of thing Kyle Larson said from NASCAR when he got caught dropping the N-word uh, on television, but it just... Uh, you know, it's this is not going to stop anytime soon, unfortunately. Uh, so he will be uh, out indefinitely, I, I would imagine, uh, you know, maybe a week or so. But, it, you know, look, the Heat can use him, uh, you know, but he's not going to be available. Uh, the other news from the NBA, the finalists for the Basketball Hall of Fame class has been announced. And Paul Pierce, uh, longtime Celtics star, Michael Cooper of the Los Angeles Lakers and uh, Chris Bosch lead the list of finalists uh, for the 2021 class. Uh, also being considered, uh, Rick Edelman, a longtime uh, NBA coach. Uh, Jay Wright, uh, former coach at uh, uh, Villanova. Uh, Yolanda Griffith, who was a two-time Olympic gold medalist. Um, and Marianne Staley, uh, Stanley, excuse me, uh, the WNBA Coach of the Year. And also being considered, and he's already in as a player, but Bill Russell is on the list um, as a coach. Now, we, Russell won 11 NBA titles while he played for the Celtics, but uh, he became the NBA's first black head coach in 1966 while he was still a player. And he also led, uh, while doing that, uh, he led them to back-to-back NBA titles in 67, 68, and 68, 69. So uh, uh, the uh, class will be announced on May 16th. But uh, I look, uh, Paul Pierce and Michael Cooper, uh, Chris Bosch, I think, are locks, no question. But uh, we'll uh, we'll get the announcement back on um, on May sixteenth. Uh, golf news: uh, Patrick Reed has committed to come to the Travelers Championship here in Connecticut in Cromwell. He becomes the third top ten player in the world to commit to the tournament, uh, along with Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau. So that's good news. Uh, the uh, tournament coming up on uh, June twenty first through the twenty seventh, just down the road from our studios here on Sports Country Radio. That's going to do it for us here this morning. I'll be back tomorrow with another edition of The Wake Up Call. We leave you with some music from Jimmy Allen and Brad Paisley. Freedom was a highway. Have a great day. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to The Wake Up Call on Sports Country.